0: CHAPTER TEN OF A TRACE OF MEMORY BY KEITH Laumer. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN I lay in the dark, the memory of towers and trumpets and fountains of fire in my mind. I put up my hand, felt a coarse garment. Had I but dreamed? I stirred, light blazed in a widening band above my face. Through narrowed eyes I saw a room. A mean chamber, dusty, littered with ill-sorted rubbish. In a wall there was a window. I went to it, stared out upon a green sward, a path that curved downward to a white strand. It was a strange scene, and yet a wave of vertigo swept over me, faded. I blinked, tried to remember. I reached up, felt something clamped over my head. I pulled it off, and it fell to the floor with a faint clatter, a broad-spectrum briefing device of the type used to indoctrinate unidentified citizens who had undergone a change unprepared. Suddenly, like water pouring down a drain, the picture in my mind faded, left me standing in my old familiar junk room with a humming in my head and a throb in my temples. I had been about to try the briefing gimmick and had wondered if it would work it had with a vengeance for a minute there i had stumbled around the room like a stranger yearning for dear old Vallon. i could remember the feeling but it was gone now it was just me in trouble as usual there were a lot of tantalizing ideas floating around in my mind right at the edge of consciousness later i'd have to sit down and go over them carefully right now i had my hands full Two armies had me cornered, and all the guns belonged to the opposition. That part was okay. I didn't want to fight anybody. All I wanted out of the situation was me. A rattle of gunfire outside brought me to the window in a jump. It was the same view as a few moments before, but it made more sense now. There was the still smoking wreckage of the PT boat, sunk in ten feet of water a few yards from the end of the jetty. Somebody must have tried to make a run for it. The Russian sub was nowhere in sight. Probably it had landed the men and backed out of danger from any unexpected corner. Two or three corpses lay in view, down by the water's edge. From where I stood I couldn't say whether they were good guys or villains. There were more shots, coming from somewhere off to the left. It looked like the boys were fighting it out old-style, hand-to-hand, with small arms. It figured. After all, what they wanted was me and all my clever ideas intact, not a smoking ruin. I don't know whether it was my romantic streak or my cynical one that had made me drive the architect nuts, putting secret passages in the walls of my chateau and tunnels under the lawn, but I was glad now I had them. There was a narrow door in the west wall of the strong room that gave onto a tight spiral stair. From there, I could take my choice—the boathouse, the edge of the woods behind the house, or the beach a hundred yards north of the jetty. All I had to do was— The house trembled a split second ahead of a terrific blast that slammed me to the floor. I felt blood start from my nose. Head ringing, I scrambled to my feet, groped through the dust to my escape hatch. Somebody outside was getting impatient. It wouldn't, do to have my fancy getaway route fall in before I had used it. I felt another shell hit the house—mortars, I guess, or rockets. I must have slept through the preliminaries and wakened just in time for the main bout. My fingers were on the sensitive pressure areas that worked the concealed door. I took a last glance around the room, where the dust was just settling from the last blast. My eyes fell on a plain pewter-colored cylinder lying where I had tossed it an hour before. But now I knew what it was, In one jump I was across the room and had grabbed it up. I remembered finding it aboard the lifeboat when I tidied it up. It had lain concealed among the bones of the man with the bare tooth necklace. He must have come across it, admired its pretty colors, and tucked it away in his fur pants. And now I, with my Volonian memories banked in my mind, could appreciate just how precious an object it was. It was Foster's memory. It would only be a copy, undoubtedly. Still, I couldn't leave it behind. A blast heavier than the last one rocked the house. A big chunk of plaster fell. It was way past time to go. Snorting and coughing from the dust, I got back to the emergency door, went through it, and started down at the bottom i paused to think it over and the earth jumped again i fell back saw the roof of the beach tunnel collapse that left the woods and the boathouse i didn't have much time to decide the tunnels might go any second apparently my architect had economized on the tunnel shorings, but then he hadn't figured on any major wars happening in the front yard the fight was going on, as near as I could judge, to the south of the house and behind it. Probably the woods were full of skirmishers taking advantage of the cover. The best bet was the boathouse, direct. I'd have preferred to wait until dark, but the idea didn't seem practical under the circumstances. I took a deep breath and started into the tunnel. With a little luck, I'd find my boat intact. I would have to pull out under the noses of the combatants but maybe the element of surprise would give me a few hundred yards start. I had enough horses to beat anything afloat to the mainland, if I could make a clean break. The tunnel was dark, but that didn't bother me. It ran dead straight to the boathouse. I came to the wooden slat door and stood for a moment, listening. Everything was quiet. I eased it open and stepped onto the ramp inside the building. In the gloom, polished mahogany and chrome work threw back muted highlights. I circled, slipped the mooring rope, and was about to step into the cockpit when I heard the bolt of a rifle smack home. I whirled, threw myself flat. The deafening bam of a thirty- caliber fired at close quarters laid a pattern of fine ripples on the black water. I rolled, hit with a splash that drowned a second shot and dove deep three strokes took me under the door out into the green gloom of open water i hugged the yellowish sand of the bottom angled off to the right and kept going i had to get out of my jacket and somehow i managed it almost without losing a stroke and there went all the goodies i'd stashed away in the pockets down to the bottom of the drink i still had foster's memory trace it was in my slacks, and there wasn't time to get out of them, nor to kick off my tennis shoes. Ten strokes. fifteen, Twenty. I knew my limit. Twenty-five good strokes on a full load of air. But I had dived in a hurry. Twenty-five. And another. And one more. And up above, a man was waiting, rifle aimed, for my head to break the surface. Thirty strokes, and here I come, ready or not. I rolled on my back, got my face above the surface. I got half a gulp of fresh air before the shot slapped spray into my face and echoed off across the water. I sank like a stone, kicked off, and made another twenty-five yards before I had to come up. The rifleman was faster this time. The bullet crossed my shoulder like a hot iron, and I was underwater again. My kick-work was weak now. The strength was draining from my arms fast. I had to have air, but I could almost feel the solid smack of a steel-jacketed bullet against my skull. I had to keep going. My chest was on fire, and there was a whirling blackness all around me. I felt consciousness fading, but maybe just one more stroke. As from a distance, I observed the clumsy efforts of the swimmer. Watched the flounderings of the poor untrained creature. It was apparent that an override of the autonomic system was required. With dispatch, I activated cortical area omicron, rerouted the blood supply, drew an emergency oxygen source from stored fats, diverting the necessary energy to break the molecular bonds. Now... With the body drawing on internal sources, ample for 600 seconds at maximum demand, I stimulated areas epsilon and mu. I channeled full survival-level energy to the muscle complexes involved, increased power output to full skeletal tolerance, eliminated waste motion. The body drove through the water with the fluid grace of a sea denizen. I floated on my back breathing in great surges of cool air and blinking at the crimson sky. I had been under water, a few yards from shore, drowning. Then there was an awareness, like a voice, telling me what to do. From out of the mass of Volonian knowledge I had acquired, I had drawn what I needed. And now I was here, half a mile from the beach, winded but intact. And there was no time now to wonder at miracles. I raised my head and glanced toward the house. A column of smoke rose from a gaping cavity where the bedroom windows used to be. A man jumped up, darted across the lawn, fell. I heard a shot a few seconds later, floating lazily across the still sunset water. There was no visible activity at the water's edge. The rifleman was gone. He probably thought he'd finished me, especially if he had noticed blood in the water. I thought about sharks. I hadn't heard of any in this neighborhood, but a little blood was just a thing to bait them in. I twisted, got a look at the throbbing burn across my left shoulder where the rifleman's bullet had grazed. It was nothing much, just a skin gouge. It didn't seem to be bleeding. If it had been, there wasn't much I could do about it. It was no time for worrying. I had to keep my mind on the problem of getting to the mainland. It was a fifteen-mile swim, but if the boys on shore could keep each other occupied, I ought to be able to make it. I thought again about pulling off my pants and shoes, but decided against it. I'd be in awkward shape without them if I made it. I felt beat, as though I hadn't eaten all day, which wasn't too strange, because I hadn't. Well, at least I wouldn't get stomach cramps when circling the island. From there, I'd strike out for shore and the first thing I would do when I got out of this would be to order the biggest, rarest steak in South America. I took a last look toward the house. I could see fire inside it now. I guessed each side was rationalizing the destruction as denial to the enemy. It had been a nice place, and I'd miss it. Someday, somebody was going to pay for it. End of chapter 10